Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jerry Alcorda. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so to, this morning is a little different for us, right? Not only um, was I part of the band, I'm going to be sharing the word with you guys and speaking as well. And um, I appreciate the encouragement from, from Sal. Um, but I know sometimes there's a little disappointment when you come to church and you're expecting to hear one person and they're like, oh, like that guy's not speaking today. Oh, he was my favorite. So I kind of feel that way too with Pastor Jim, right? Um, we have some pretty talented um, teachers and communicators here. Um, so Amen. thank you for you guys for allowing me to be here with you guys this morning. I want to start this morning uh, with a fact and it's this, every single human being on planet Earth is guaranteed eternity, okay? Every single person on planet Earth is guaranteed eternity. Now that eternity will either be in relationship with God or it will be in separation from God. But every person on planet Earth is guaranteed to have eternity. And what a challenge for us, right? For us to be praying for and talking to our family members, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers about God, about Jesus, about eternity, right? So where I want to start is I want to start by telling you and encouraging you guys with this one thing. There's going to be a lot of bad news this morning, and I'm sorry in advance for it, but here's one little bit of encouragement for you guys um, before we get into the bad news, is any one of you here that has stepped into life through Jesus can be up here giving this talk this morning. Anyone. It doesn't require a, a seminary degree. It doesn't require, sure. Um, to go to have studied at certain schools or specific schools. All right, better? Perfect. All right, it doesn't require um, a special seminary degree. It doesn't require long hours of studies. The simple truth of this morning's message is that anyone who has stepped into life through Christ could give this talk this morning. And where we're going to end up is going to be with some absolutely incredible news and it's going to call for an extravagant response from us but many times before you have good news you have to have some bad news and the thing that i've learned about news even recently is the worse the bad news is the better the good news is make sense you can be having an absolutely terrible day and then somebody comes up and gives, hey, I got some good news for you. Here's a $5 gift card to Starbucks. Completely changes your day, right? Just this little act and you could be having the worst day. So the worse the bad news is, the better the good news is. And that's great news for us because what I'm gonna share with you guys this morning is some pretty bad news. And in fact, it's the worst news that you can probably ever get. You guys still with me? Okay, that's good. So here's the bad news, all right? 
The first one is this, is that nobody, absolutely nobody is perfect. Surprise, right? Right? And if you're thinking, well, I'm just like, I'm living my life just trying to get it together, right? I'm trying to get some of it together. I'm trying to get all of it together. You will never, no one will ever get it all together. Some of us might get some of it together, maybe even most of it together. But none of us here will ever get it all together. It's not going to happen. No one's perfect. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, you don't have to turn there. I'll kind of summarize um, the beginning here. But in the beginning of Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah tells us um, the story of a vision that he has. And it's this vision of him going into the very presence of God. And as he enters the presence of God, he says, wait a minute, time out, God, because I know this is bad news for me. I'm not perfect. In fact, I live with a bunch of people that are not perfect. And God, you got to do something here because I know Isaiah knew that in order to be before God, in order to be with God, he had to be perfect because that's the requirement that God had that God has. So this leads me to my second piece of bad news for you guys. It's this. The fallout of not being perfect, given that God is perfect, is separation from God. And it's even more than that, right? Not only does our fallenness separate us from God, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says it makes sin, makes us hostile to the ways of God. And I know this is bad news, but if you don't have any bad news, we don't need good news, right? If we don't have bad news, there is no need for good news. So third piece of b bad news. You guys still tracking? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. All right. Sin, it doesn't just make us bad. Sin makes us dead. That's why it's not about degrees of badness. Like, well, how, about, how bad are you? Are you 70% bad? Oh, that's kind of bad. You should probably go to this Bible study, right? They'll help you out there. Oh, or are you like 30% bad? Oh, okay, that's, you're not too bad, right? I mean, you've done a couple of things, but that's not too bad. Maybe you only need to do, you know, this 30% class, right? So you can get back to being good enough for God. The deal isn't who are we better than, who are you worse off than. The deal is this, and the gospel is this, is that sin doesn't just make us bad. Sin makes us dead, Right? We can be bad sometimes, but it's not about us trying to be better than we were the day before or trying to be better uh, than this other person or we're worse off than this other person. The problem is bigger than that. The problem is that sin doesn't make us bad, but sin makes us spiritually dead. The payoff of sin is death. And that is a huge problem. And it's a way bigger problem than us looking around in this world of moral relativism to try to find somebody who's doing a little worse off than we are, right? 
or think or taking part in thinking, well, I think I'm doing a little better than that guy over there. Romans, again, Paul says, for the wages of sin, the cost of sin, the price of sin is death. And that means we are unable to operate in right relationship with God the way that he intended us for, the way that he wants us for. And that is the problem. And it gets worse than that, right? And right now you guys are probably thinking, well, wow, Jerry, you're right. You know, you are the bearer of bad news today. You know, and um, why are you such a Debbie Downer? Nobody likes being the bearer of bad news, right? But again, if we didn't have any bad news, what would be the need for good news? So the last piece of bad news is this, right? No one's, we said no one's perfect. The fallout of the result of sin is separation from God and sin equals death. So the last part is this, is that because of all of that, because we are spiritually dead, we do not have the ability or the power to get alive on our own. The side effect of being dead is that you can't do anything for yourself. When you are dead, everything 100% that happens to you happens to you because someone has done that for you or to you. When you're dead, you can't help yourself. And here's the turning point. Into our story comes the grace of God. And that is incredible news, right? It's a God who says, hey, I'm perfect, and I know that your imperfection separated you from me, and I know you can't do anything about it, so guess what? I'm going to come to you. So God steps down from perfection onto planet Earth, right? From holiness into humanity. And he says, I'm coming for you. And here's why I'm coming for you is because you're dead and you can't help yourself. Because if it were just, if you were just bad, there are things you could do to improve, right? If we were just bad, God would have said, hey, I'm going to send them this 10, 12, 20 step plan program so they can start getting right with me. Or, you know, like we could look something up on Amazon or get some DVD sets, self-help set to help us be better, right? It's not about us being better. No, God says you are dead and dead people cannot do anything for themselves. So I am going to stand in your place. Jesus is going to stand in your place. He's going to take your sin, take your shame and pay the price that you owe and suffer the death that you deserved. That is what Jesus did for us. John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen to that? Right? And by the power of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. And by the power of God, we, because of that, we are brought out of death and we are brought into life. And that is the, great new, the greatest news, is that whatever sin has done to you, God's grace has done more for you and in you. Wherever sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And that is our Jesus. That is our gospel. That's what we proclaim. And that 
is a God of grace who has done and continues to do immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine. You know, I love that we as a church, um, we do communion um, early on in the service, that we take part in communion. Um, I, my dad's a pastor and I grew up in the church and I've been around church world for a long time and I've been in different settings where sometimes you don't do it, sometimes it's once a month, sometimes it's a couple times a year, or it's at the end of the service. For us here, I love the fact that we get to take it together to get at the beginning of the service. And I love it because I think that it centers us. It brings us back to why we are here and who we are. And centers us on the person of Jesus. And I know Pastor Sal and Pastor Jim would say the same thing. And we want, I want you guys to know this, that as a church, we're not going to be guided by any kind of philosophical philosophy, any idea or person, but by Jesus and God's word alone. Amen. 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 We're going to be rooted in themes that we find throughout scripture. And what that means for us is we're guided by his word, worship, and prayer. So what we just did through communion and through singing together, through worshiping together, is foundational to what we do next. So if the first part of my message is our death because of sin and God's incredible grace, then the next part of this message is about our response to that grace in abandoned, extravagant worship. And I put those qualifiers, abandoned and extravagant, in front of the word worship because I don't want them to get lost. Because I think somewhere along the way, we've kind of confused ourselves on what worship is. And we relegate it to coming and singing a song of amazing grace. We come together, we put on nice clothing, we sing other songs together, we leave for lunch, we go and we say grace before we eat. I'm not talking about grace being another word for compassion or a handout, God, like I need your grace on this. What I'm talking about is the kind of grace that makes a dead person a live person. It's a complete and total heart transplant by God. And hear me when I say this. If our view of grace is average, then our worship is going to be average. But if the grace we believed we received was radical and extravagant, then our worship should be radical and our worship should be extravagant. I want to give us a working definition here of worship that I heard years ago from another pastor, um, but it really stuck with me and it resonated with me. And before I read it together, I want us to, I want to tell you guys, when I'm talking about worship, I'm not talking about just music. You know, music is one aspect. It's one way to worship. So this is our working definition of worship. It says, worship is our response to the greatness of God 
both personal and corporate, for who he is and what he's done, expressed in and by what we say and what we do. Worship is our response to the greatness of God, both personal and corporate, for who he is and what he's done, expressed in and by what we say and what we do. There's a key word at the beginning of this. Any guesses? Response. Right? Worship is our response. Worship is my response. And we all know what a response to something great looks like. Right? If you've ever been to a concert, a sporting event, we've seen them. Right? Um, Many of you know, if you've been around me any length of time, um, my family is a hockey family. Both my kids play, we love watching it, I love supporting them. In fact, I tell them almost every time they um, come off the ice or before they hit the ice, hey, watching you play is one of my favorite things to do in the entire world, right? And when I see them, their team, or when I see them individually do something great on the ice, or they, they get a win, or something awesome happens, right? My response isn't like, oh, way to go, guys. No, like, I'm like, I, I, first of all, I can't sit still, right? I'm pacing because, like, my adrenaline's going, I'm rooting for them. So when something good happens, like, I'm jumping up and down, and I'm like, yes, go, way to go. Like, let's come on, let's get after this, right? That is my response. I'm giving high fives, I'm celebrating, I'm bragging about what the team has done, what my kids have done. And that's what happens when we worship, right? We see something, we understand it, we appreciate what just happened because we've experienced it, right? When I watch my kids play and something good happens, I see it, I understand what's going on on the ice, I appreciate it, and I've experienced it. And out of that comes a response of like, yes, let's go, right? Take a look at tonight's game, right? We are going to see thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people tonight on TV see something, understand what's happening, appreciate the skill and athleticism, experience it together, and we are going to see some incredible responses of worship, right? Because worship is simply this. It is a response. It's not calculated, premeditated. It's not something programmed or scripted or a light switch that we can turn on and off. Worship is simply a response. Personally, and then corporately, together. It's not just about coming to church or singing or having a quiet time. Have you guys seen, um, speaking of like singing and kind of worship, there, I, can't, I, don't rem- I don't even remember the comedian's name, but he does this kind of whole stick on like worship and postures of worship. Has anybody seen that? Tim Hawkins, yeah, there's a plug for you. Um, but uh, who hasn't seen it? 
Okay, a lot of, wow, okay. So it's probably, I'm not going to do it as funny as he does, but he's, he's pretty hilarious because he says, hey, like, you know, I grew up in this kind of church and um, you could tell the people who grew up a little bit more charismatic than I have because of how they worship. And he's like, well, you know, some people, sometimes you'll walk into church and you'll see people singing a song and they're holding a TV. And then, uh, and then, like, you get a little bit more adventure, adventurous, and they're like, okay, like, let's move it to the big screen. <laughs> all right? And then he goes on to say, it's like, okay, well, what about for all those fishermen out there? My fish was this big. Yeah. Right? Oh, he's a liar. Like, mine's, like, this big. Right? And then he moves on and is like, oh, well, what about the, the light bulb? Right? The dueling light bulbs. Right? Or the field goal. And then finally, like, he says, and then you have the Lion King, right? That's, like, up here. It's pretty funny. But the guy, like, the point he's making is that, you know, there are different types of people out there, right? And different personalities. And this is what I'm trying to get at is we have, sometimes we have cheapened good worship and relegated down to personality type, right? This person is a thinker, right? So, when they worship, their hands are in their pockets, right? This person over here is a feeler or maybe even a little more spiritual because their hands are up here, right? If you would have asked me years ago, I would have said, hey, I just want people to be consistent, right? I get that there's some thinkers out there and there's some feelers out there, so if you're a thinker and you're at church with your hands in your pocket like this, and this is you, then I would say, hey, just be consistent, because that's probably how you would react at a football game or a soccer game or you know a concert or something like that. You're the thinker, you're with your hands in your pocket. Or, you know, hey, you're the feeler, so if your hands are up here you know, at the concert, then your hands should be up here at church, because that's your personality. And we deceive ourselves. Because worship isn't about personality type. There is a direct connection between our appreciation and understanding of God's grace and our expression of worship. It's not about personality. It's not about age. It's not about gender. It's not about denominational background, where you come from, where you grew up, how much you make. What school you went to? Did you go to seminary? Did you not? Worship is simply about your understanding of God's grace. It's not about being a thinker or a feeler. It's, not, it's about how much we understand and appreciate what Jesus has done for us. The end. Right? And those are the happy feelers in here, right? The amens, like, let's go, right? No, and, but please understand, right? It's, I'm not saying there's a place for thinking or not a place for thinking or not a place for feeling, right? Me, I'm more of a thinker than a feeler, right? And Jesus himself said, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. God is not a mindless God. He's the greatest scientist there ever was and ever will be. He loves thinking. He's given us brains, and he wants us to use them, and he's okay if you're all about the numbers, the formulas, the Excel spreadsheets, the timelines. 
and you're not one of those like yay kind of people. In fact, if you're a thinker, you probably hate those yay kind of people, right? You're like, hey, like tone it down over there. I'm trying to think, <laughs> right? Please listen to, we want you to have freedom to be who you are. So I don't want us to get stuck there. I want us to say, I don't want us to get stuck in the, well, I'm just different than you are. I worship differently than you are. It's not about that. Because we are all different, right? I mean, like, really, congratulations, you're different, right? We're different. What I'm talking about is the kind of worship that comes out of your life. And the answer to that is not what kind of person you are. It's related to your understanding and appreciation of what Jesus has done for you and in you. And that is the expression of worship that comes out of your life. Luke 7, 36 through 50 says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When, Jesus, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon says, tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither one of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both of them. Now which one will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I love this story because what I see here is a woman who gave her most valuable possession and humbled herself in thanksgiving for what Jesus had done. She had seen him, 
understood why he was there, appreciated him, and experienced God's grace. It's not, Jesus tells his story um, to these Pharisees in a way that they can get it. Um, he's, he talks about two money lenders and two guys that owed money, but it's not about having more or less to be forgiven of because the reality is, is we are all in the same boat and we were all born dead to sin. And there's nothing any one of us could have done. There was a debt that we all were unable to pay. And God, in his goodness, gives us his son, Jesus. And that's, and when we forget that, when we forget God's goodness, and when we forget the radical grace of what was given to us, when we forget it, we do move from our hands up here in worshiping to just kind of living our lives with our hands in our pockets. Right? We forget what the appropriate response to God's radical grace is. But when we remember and when we live it every day, we, live, we start pulling our hands out of our pockets and we start reaching out and blessing people. We start reaching out and extending God's grace to people. We start receiving God's grace. We give blessing. We show grace. We live in freedom. And we live life to the full because we have Jesus. So my question to us this morning is what kind of worship is coming out of our lives? Personally, what kind of worship is coming out of this house corporately? Because as we read, worship is our response to God's greatness personally and corporately for who he is and what he's done, expressed by what we say and what we do. You notice how I didn't say expressed by how high I can hold my hands up or how long I can hold my hands up. I said our worship is expressed by what we say and what we do. And sometimes we can say some very pretty sounding things together, right? As we sing and we lift up the name of Christ together through song together. But it's much more than that. It's about a living response. So what I've done is I've asked Suzanne and Tracy to come back up and I want us to, to respond in song together as we close out the service here. But I also want to give the opportunity for some of you to respond publicly. If you're here and you're saying, hey, I have actually never responded to God's radical grace, and um, I want to do that for the first time because I get that I'm not perfect. I get that I'm a sinner. I now know that I'm dead and I can't do anything to get out of my sin, but Jesus did. So God, so Jesus came and died on the cross for my sin. I get that now and I want to step into God's radical grace, we want to give you an opportunity to respond and come forward. So I'm going to have some of our elder and prayer team come up 
as we've seen this song together. And if that's you, if you want to respond to God's grace for the first time, please do so. Um, if you're here and you just, and you're saying, hey, I also have this thing going in my life. I know Jesus. I actually know him really well. He's my best friend. I talk to him all the time, but I need some support. I need some prayer for you name it. If that's you, we want to welcome you and invite you to come and, and to share that and have one of our elder team um, members pray for you as well. Amen. So let's stand together. And let's respond to the Lord together. That's it, right? It's that simple. 
It's all about him, all about Christ, expressed in what we say and what we do. Um, hope you guys have an incredible Sunday. Be blessed. Uh, go and walk in God's incredible grace. We will have some of our elders up here for prayer um, if you want to come um, chat and, uh, and be prayed for. Thank you all. God bless. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website or your favorite podcast platform. Just look for Sermon of the Week, Cornerstone Christian Center. If you would like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.